Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Netele Neti Ajahu. And coming up over the next 90 minutes... Don't take revenge as a family and as people of Ashama. The gods of Ghana will answer for you. Defense Minister Dominic Nitti will calls for calm and urges family members of slain soldier and Ashaman against retaliation... But is the community satisfied by the actions so far? Also coming up, KTR market in Kumasi closed down as fire service begins investigations into Wednesday's inferno that destroyed the place. And later on Eyewitness News, government takes on Africa Center for Energy Policy, ASEP, and other persons have denied its claim that a gold for oil program is accounting for the reduced price of fuel, other pumps. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. We also have business coming up and the latest headline is... Some customers of defunct fund management companies call on government to fulfill outstanding payments owed them since last year. That's in 50 minutes. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations. We are on Tungsung 97.3 FM in Wa, Jirapa FM 96.1. We are also in uh, in the east, Upper East Region on Quality 88.7 FM in Garu. We are on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM. We are on VOV Radio 95.7 FM in Hohwe. Revival 99.3 FM in Tajevu. We are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi. Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Sunyani area, we are on Greener 95.9 FM. In the Western region, we are on Takradis Sky Power 93.5 FM as well as Beach 105.5 FM. We are also in Takwa on Ajinpa 100.7 FM there in the northern part of the western region do let us know what you make of the stories we are bringing you tonight send us messages on whatsapp 0549 you can also send tweets using the hashtag city newsroom let the world know what you think we are interactive and live on youtube we are live on facebook we're live on citynewsroom.com Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with a visit by the Select Committee of Parliament on Defence and Interior to the Ashaman Enclave following what happened last week where soldiers descended on the township and attacked persons, mostly innocent persons, in what seems to be a retaliatory move against the killing of a soldier. The man who represents the people of Ashaman is Ernest Henry Nogbe. Honorable Member of Parliament for Shaiman, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, thank you very much and good evening to your listeners. So you play the double role of being the representative of Ashaiman folks, but also a member of the committee that went there today. Which of the hats did you play at what time? And uh, w- what do you make of today's engagement? Well, thank you very much. Uh, I think I played the dual role uh, as the member of the committee as well as uh, uh, as a representative of the people. Uh, first of all, we, the committee decided to meet the people of Ashiaman today 
especially the two factions, that is the the people who suffered the brutalities and then the molestation and again also the uh, bereaved families of the trooper Imoro. Uh, so when the committee arrived, we had to move to the family first, commiserate with them. The defense and the, the defense minister was there himself, my chairman, Honorable Kennedy Japan was there, the ranking, and then uh, other members of the committee were also in present. Uh, so we commiserated with the bereaved family, we spoke to them, and then we assured them uh, that the government was with them, the committee was with them, and then uh, whatever the chairman and then the committee will have to do, we did it. And then we left that place for the the where the molestation and then the brutalities occurred. Over there as well, we spoke, chairman spoke, the ranking member also spoke, and they were all talking about how we can resolve the issues amicably, and if there's any compensation, we have to administer to the people. The defense minister himself was also on his feet. He also spoke, and by and large, the presence of the, the committee and that of the defense minister have played a major role in bringing some sort of sanity into the community. And so I'm, I'm very much happy about what happened today, what transpired today. Just unfortunately, one of the, uh, the victims of the torture uh, died and has since been buried, as a Muslim has since been buried. And uh, that was a, a shocking news to almost the residents of the, the, the area. So that's the situation. So this death occurred today? The death occurred not today. Uh, I think it's about a day or two ago, but has since been buried because it's a Muslim. I see. Now, would you say as a representative of the people, not a member of the committee, mm -hmm. that the action taken so far is satisfactory to the people? The actions taken against the soldiers who invaded the community, if there were any actions at all, were satisfactory to community members and family members of the deceased and other injured persons? The action taken by the police so far, uh, talking about the arrest of the, the perpetrators of the, the Imoros issue, the killers of Imoro, uh, has been so much satisfactory to the whole community, the family of the deceased and everybody. However, there has not been any action taken against the perpetrators of the torture molestation yet. And so we are still watching and we are still working closely with the military, with the ministry, to make sure that justice is served the people. Because as I said earlier, the 184 people who were arrested, none of them, not even a single one of them, was found culpable about the, the crime. And so... We we in Ashiama do not see the need for that arrest or that invasion. But be it that is me, it has happened. And so since they have also admitted that there were emphasis about the invasion, so meaning that people have conducted themselves ultra virus, so therefore there should be some sort of punishment. Today when we went, the convener for uh, Ashiama Life Matters also presented to us documentation and other things for us to peruse and also make our recommendations. So the committee will sit on this matter and prefer some recommendations to that effect. You went there with the Minister for Defence. He's a man who leads our Ghanaian soldiers. Um, we've not heard specifically what they are planning to do internally. We've seen the 
statement by the armed forces that came up last week. We've seen the police statement, which does not say in any way that there's any collaboration whatsoever with the armed forces. Do you get the sense, and having traveled with the Minister for Defense and listening to him, that he has really dealt with the issue of the soldiers who invaded the town in the best way possible, perhaps the armed forces itself taking an action that you would say is satisfactory to your community members and so on? First of all, it is a fact that the there was no collaboration between the police and the military in this matter. The military did their own thing, their invasion, anyhow, any means that they did it, it was left to them entirely, after which the police came on the ground. Even before the, they would invade the whole Ashama community, the police were on the ground trying to investigate to arrest the perpetrators, which I commend them of. They have done so well, so much, that they were able to arrest all the six uh, suspects, the perpetrators of this heinous crime. The IGP himself was on the ground midnight, as at 2 a.m. Uh, he was on the ground making sure that he effects the arrest of the people. So there has never been any collaboration. Again, I don't think that since the military high command per their statement saying that they sanctioned the the, the invasion and the raid, uh, it's becoming so much difficult. Should I say they are becoming like a difficult in attempting to bring the perpetrators to book or to effect any uh, sort of punishment or inquiry into the act. And so, and that is why as the people's representative, I'm calling for bipartisan group into the matter. It could either be the Defense of Interior Committee who probe into it or bipartisan uh, committee formed in parliament to also probe the matter. And however, we still have the the uh, uh, notion of petitioning strikes also on the table because uh, if we have to leave it entirely for the military uh, i don't see the end uh, being uh, any fruitful venture that we are going to undertake and so we have to find a way of independent body to look into the matter you've gone there and you're back are you going to report to the house or what exactly is going to happen next and yeah, the, com the committee will have to sit on this matter. As my chairman has uh, admitted, we are going to sit as early as possible. I think he mentioned Tuesday. And then look at the document presented to us, look at the video evidence, and also profess our uh, recommendation. So when that is done, then we can report back to the, to the House. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. Most graceful, my brother. That's Nogbe. He's member of parliament for Sherman. He's also a member of the Defense and Interior Committee of Parliament. The committee went to Ashaiman today. We can now hear from the Minister for Defense and MP for Bimbila, the Honorable Dominic Nitiwo. This is what he said after meeting the family members. I do know that the entire Ashaman Muslim community is grieving because of the loss of your son. And they are very angry about the loss of your son. Because you are very good Muslims. That is the intelligence we are picking. The late Kofi Awono left Ghana to go to Kenya. Then went to a mall. Went to buy something. And attackers attacked at that same time. Who thought that a Ghanaian would leave Ghana, go to his Kenya, go to a hotel, leave the hotel to a, a mall to buy something. And at the time he was leaving the mall and buy his car, 
people will kill him. But like the Honorable MP for Wild West said, God knows best. Allah knows best. And as good Muslims and Christians, we can only pray to Allah for his soul to rest in the bosom of the Lord. The entire armed forces and all of us are grieving because of the loss of this young man. Not all soldiers, particularly I use the word soldier, get the chance to be buried at the military cemetery. Only soldiers of certain rank get the chance for their funeral to be done at Bemakam by the military high command. It tells you the seriousness with which the armed forces of Ghana take the death of this young man. For this to be happening to a private soldier. Ghana is griefing with you. Ghana is mourning with you. He cannot come back to life. But we can, as a people, learn from what has happened. Very unfortunate incident. And make sure that it never repeats again in our history. Anytime I'm entering the Delta Airlines to the United States, the first group of people they call to board are seven soldiers and retired soldiers. After people with disability. A soldier is trained to lay his life for his people. You are expected to die for your people, defending them. You are not expected to turn your back when your people are being attacked. The moment you decide to join the armed forces, what you have sworn to the state to do is that you will lose your life, at the, you will lose your life for the defense of your people. It's unfortunate this young man lost his life, not for the defense of his people. But like I said, you are good Muslims. God knows why there's day and there's night. And God knows why he chose to pick him back at this time. If it's not the will of God, it will never happen. Never. Those criminals will never have succeeded. God wanted it to happen. That's why he allowed it. We, those who are Christians, when Jesus was dying, he said that if it's by your will, let it happen. He could have run away. He could have moved to the forest and nobody, uh, wilderness, which is a, what we call a desert. Nobody will find him. But he said, if it's by your own will, let what is happening happen to me. Don't take revenge as a family and as people of Ashaman. The gods of Ghana will answer for you. I know that it is difficult for all of us. But God has a way of defending the defenseless. And Ghana will defend this family and the people of Ashaman. And in doing that, we'll do what is right. And we'll do it according to the law. I am sure that this young man who is here, if he decides to complete university today and say that he wants to be, the people of Ghana will gladly welcome him into the armed forces. I'm almost confident that in 15 years' time, when he's grown enough and decides that I want to be a soldier, the people of Ghana will welcome him with open heart to continue where his brother left off. We will be there when you need anything. Let us know. We are the Minister of Defense who will be there to support you. And I want to thank the chairman of the committee for agreeing to support your family to look after this boy until he completes tertiary education. God bless him. And God has a way as I said, of fighting for everybody. The president himself is very disturbed 
about what has happened in Ashama here. Because, like I said, it only tells us that we have a lot to do. We will talk about the other one. The reaction that my men undertook at another forum. But for here, it tells us that we would have to do everything and clean up this country of people who think that the way to make money is to attack other people. If you want to live a life, live a legitimate life. Make legitimate money. And this nation will contain you peacefully. But if you decide that by force of arm, you would attack other people for whatever reason, this state cannot contain all of us. I will not say this is the last warning, but this should serve as the last time that anybody in Ghana thinks that he can use force of arms to make a living. The state will not sit alone and allow that to happen. As Minister for Defence and MP for Bimbila, the Honorable Dominic Nitiwo, he was not there alone. The Committee for Defence and Interior was there. Each chairman is the Assin Central Member of Parliament, Kennedy Ejepon. Let's listen to what he had to say. As members of Committee of Defence and Interior will sit on Tuesday to deliberate and find out the details what actually transpired that day. But with all due respect, I want to give advice, and this is advice I'm giving. I'm pleading that we live in a society and we as people, as Ghanaians, should live as one people. And therefore, no matter where you come from, you are a Ghanaian. There should not be under no circumstance that they say you cannot go to this area or you don't belong here. That will not help us as a nation. I also want to give another advice. But we have to be bold. We have to be bold and speak the truth. And the truth is that if you know that Kenejapon is the corporate. Don't be afraid, but to be bold and speak the truth. If we do that, I can see from your faces, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a priest, but I can see from your faces that you are innocent people that experience the brutalities. Do not let's protect anybody. Let's come out so that the bad people in our society will be arrested. I have always defended Ashama that they are good people. That is why I say that Ashama is my second home. If you don't know Ashama and you hear the way people speculate about Ashama, you think they are bad or evil people. But I can tell you, all my investments, the security guys are all from Ashama, including my house that I live. I know you are trustworthy people. That is why I've given you these kind of jobs. 
So I know you. But what I know also as a Shama citizen is that sometimes we cover people. We know the people or we know the perpetrators and we all keep quiet. If we do that, innocent people, like what has happened to you last week, will happen. So I'm pleading that next time we don't shield anybody. Let's come out. I don't want to say anything, but I'm tempted to say something about the military. I think they went overboard. Before you and condemn everything that they did, because I've also gone to the victims, parents, and relatives, and they are also mourning. This is very sensitive issue. I cannot stand before you and point fingers at anybody. If I do that, I'm not going to be a good leader. I will inflame passions because people are injured and people are annoyed. And therefore, this is not a time to come here and blame anybody, but only to sympathize with you and plead with you to stay calm and don't take the law into your own hands. And as committee that I'm chairman, we'll go through the documents that have been presented to us. We'll come out with the recommendations. The honors is not on us to emphatically say that you should be compensated. But when we go through the documents, we'll make our recommendations to the government. So I'm not stand before you and say that, oh, you deserve compensation. We are going to do that. What I want to assure you is that definitely our recommendations, you will smile. That is the assurance I want to give. So please. I know how you feel this time. I'm begging you not to take the law into your own hands to retaliate. We are here for you. Fortunately, fortunately, my able lieutenant is the MP of this area. He, I like him because he's just like me. But for the first time, for the first time, I saw this young man so devastated. He walked me down and said, Chairman, have you heard what has happened at Dashiama? I said, yes. And he briefed me. That day, I thought he was a strong boy, but he exhibited a sign to me that he is a human being. So we are here to plead with you and sympathize with you to stay calm. And we will take appropriate decisions and you hear from us. That's Kennedy Japon. He is member of Parliament for Asin Central and also chairman of the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll return with more. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
You're welcome. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. I'm here with Netili Netis coming up to 1800 GMT. Yesterday on Eyewitness News, we brought you a story of the inferno that engulfed the KTR market in Kumasi, destroying so many shops and the properties therein. 24 hours on, we're told the market has been closed down for investigations to commence. The team that will be doing the investigation or leading the investigation is the uh, fire service officials in the region. ACFO1 Henry Jiwa is the Ashanti Regional Fire Commander. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you, Omaru. So I'm sure the ACFO stands for Assistant Commissioner of Fire. Oh, please help me. Assistant Chief Fire Officer. Grade 1. Grade 1, yeah. Exactly. Con congratulations. Thank you. Have you started the investigations already or you are yet to? Oh, we started with the investigation. So preliminarily, what have you found? Uh, we've been able to identify where the fire started from. The shop that I started from. And we are here to zoom on exactly what happened before the fire. But so far, do you take into account eyewitnesses' statements? What have they been telling you? Yeah, we do. We do. But most of the time, we want to ascertain and this will be with our own professional way of uh, fi finding out what they are saying before we can put it on air or before we can confirm it. As for stories, we always hear stories when things like this happen. We've heard so many. But we wouldn't want those things to prejudice our investigation. We want to do our own investigation. Then based on the interviews that we also conduct, we can marry the two. I see. So is it going to be an entirely fast service investigation or you have other technical people who join you in these investigations when you do them? For now, it's going to be purely fire service. If we need any other agency, we'll approach them for their technical or professional advice. I think there's a device called a sprinkler. We are told it failed to activate. Is that true? And what could have caused that? Uh, the sprinkler didn't work as expected. Just because their pump is manually operated instead of the automatic ways it was supposed to so that is why by the sprinkler went when we went there we activated it and the sprinkler went who but is, it was supposed to be automatic who installs sprinklers for facilities like that it's the, the owners so not we the fire not the fire service oh not the fire service we don't we, we only recommend and we will make sure we come and do the inspections and do things so that is what we do do you know if this particular place was inspected prior to what happened yesterday? Uh, so far as I'm concerned, they don't have a certificate. For which reason I can see uh, our men are there by uh, making sure that the things are working. We've identified some lapses and we've informed them, the management, and they promised to fix it. For which reason we've not even renewed the certificate. We want to make sure those things are rectified first. When you say they don't have a fast certificate, it means you have mm -hmm. not given them clearance to operate. Sort of. Are you supposed to come there 
on your own and investigate this or every company or business is obligated to come to you for certification how does it work and how come they every, don't have a fire every, certificate and yet they are, they are operating every organization or every firm is supposed to obtain a fire certificate from fire service do they have so to apply to you or you come to their, to, them no, and they, they have to apply they've, they've actually applied for renewal and we've also told them exactly what we want them to do before we can renew. The fire service is not supposed to be as, as you apply. There are minimum qualifications or minimum standards that you need to meet. So when you meet these minimum uh, standards, then it can be granted. This facility is huge. It's a market. It One is. would think that even if they don't do their work, you as a mm. fire officers would mm. have gone there to insist that they do what they have to do, else you close them down. Don't you have that yeah. authority or power under the law? We, we, we do have that authority. So you failed as them, not them. Uh, uh, maybe you can also say that. But, but there are times that you, you need to also ensure that people also don't lose everything altogether. Because, for instance, even now that we've closed it for some few periods to make sure we do the investigation properly, almost everybody is complaining. Are you the one who did the closing or the managers closed it themselves? Uh, we, we, we recommended that they should close it for us to do our investigation first. But prevention is better than cure. If you had closed it before yesterday... And, 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 that is why, and that is why our men are there. We have a fire post even there. Which makes, your, so, case, which makes your case worse. Which means your, no, your men at the fire post have been watching... The illegality no, 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 continue no, for no, all this no, 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 Not that they've been watching. Not that they've been watching. They, they've been doing what they are supposed to do. They, they, they've been recommending. They, we've been telling them every now and then. Even uh, the regional minister even mentioned it. I've had the opportunity of bringing this to even to as far as RESEC. Okay, so you reported to the regional security council that the KTM exactly. market is not safe. Exactly. So, what did they What did they say to you? What did Simon Asemens and his team say to you? Oh, they, even this morning he mentioned it. I'm this saying that. So, typical, what What are the options for you if you find that a place is not properly certified? Can you, you know, have? Can you close down the place on your own, or you have to go to court to get an order, or you have to report to the regional? What is the procedure? How do you operate these things? The The, the procedure is uh, you. We have the authority. To close down the place but you did not exercise that authority which one did we, you we, exercise we, we we didn't exercise that one because they promised us they will fix it we wrote to them that these are the defects that we've identified so they should fix it and they promised that they will, they will fix it so that is where we we were and what happened happened all right so it means that you don't really have to even do any investigations you already know what the problem was which problem caused yesterday's fire no Oh, no, 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 necessarily. Not what, necessarily. How long before you come out with your report? And what will be the use of your report when it comes out eventually? At least the use of our report will indicate that uh, this is what happened and then the fire happened. So things like this should not be done in the market. For instance, we are hearing that somebody was even cooking, which we've told them not to. So we even have to make sure he, he, he put the stove somewhere that nobody can see. If what I'm hearing is that that is, we are here to confirm that. 
How long before your report comes out or your work is done? Uh, fire investigation takes time. But I, I, I hope this one will not take too long. I wouldn't want to give timelines, but I hope it will not take too long. If it takes too long, we would have forgotten because that's what happens in the past. So please so, don't so let it take I'm, too long. I, I, I'm saying it will not take too long. I see. Okay. Would there be any sanctions immediately recommended to anybody or any of the managers of the place? Oh, yes. If, if, if we find some people culpable, uh, there, 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 there are some punitive measures that even the management can take against the those operating at the market. Finally, yesterday, you were called to come and address or uh, attend to the situation. In the past, the complaint from fire service has always been that access routes are unavailable, makes it difficult for you to enter due to congestion. There are times you would arrive and your the place you fetch the water, what do you call that? Hydrants. The, the, fi hydrant. the fire hydrants may have run out or are not available. Sometimes you arrive on the scene without fire water in your, in your tankers and so on. <laughs> what challenges did you encounter yesterday? Any of these? Uh, uh, let me debunk, especially the last one that you said. Uh, I don't think any firefighter of West Esau who attend to a fire incident without water in the tender. Then why did you go in the first place? Oh, it happens oh, a lot of times. It, does, it, it, it doesn't happen. Oh. People always, even yesterday, let me tell you, even yesterday, people were saying the first one didn't come with water. That's a cliche that uh, they, they always say. Even yesterday, what happened? They said we didn't even come with water. So that one is always there. That's the first thing that you always see. Did you go with well, water I, I, yesterday? Ah, why, why? Then why did we go there? Did you uh, have uh, a hydrant ready for refilling purposes? If, even the case uh, uh, market, they have hydrants within, and we use we depended so much on the hydrant over the yesterday. How about access to the market? Was it problematic or you were fine? Uh, uh, you, you know Kumasi, if you know Kumasi well. I don't. And go, go, uh, going to Ketia is, is, is the hub of business center. So it's not easy. But we, we had to manage and we did. Another thing, if you're dealing with a fire on a story building, often in the past, they say that you have challenges with ladders and so on. Did your ladders work for you yesterday or you didn't need to use a ladder to, to, to deal with the fire? Yesterday, we brought a 10 table ladder there. I don't know if, if, if your men captured it or you can ask uh, your correspondent. So, so that, that also worked it. perfectly? It worked. It worked perfectly. Fantastic. Wish you all the best. But before you go, um, you know, we saw the government deliver... And forgive me, you are not the national office. I'll just ask you this. If you want mm. to comment, feel free. The government delivered um, over 300 ambulances. What about fire service? Do you have enough tenders and other infrastructure you need uh, for your work? Uh, just like you said, I think uh, the fire tenders and the government delivering, that one should be at our national headquarters. So if you can address that. I'll let this car pass out. over your head. Thank you for Thank speaking you. to us. Eh? Thank you, too. That's ACFO1, Henry Jiwa. He's a Shanti Regional Fire Commander. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, let's hear from the uh, people who operate the market themselves. Nana Akwesi Prempe is president of the Federation of Kumasi Traders. M Mr. Prempe, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, the fire service has begun investigations, but we are told that people were not necessarily adhering to the 
rules of the fire service. So one, the market itself didn't have a fire certificate. Two, someone was cooking when he's not supposed to do that. What do you make of these two things? It appears that the problem is self-made. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Good evening to our listeners as well. I would like first to speak to um, the interview that we have the regional fire commander. Uh, I would say bluntly that they failed us because I am privy to a letter that they wrote instances of letter that they've written to the management reminding them of what they, uh, the fire personnel, expect management of the facility to do before they will renew their, uh, the fire certificate for them. And some uh, the letters, uh, with your permission, dated from, uh, they wrote the first one, Asobaka, September 30th, 2021. There was a follow-up letter in October 18th, 2020. And then 14 January 2022. And then the last one they wrote to the management was the beginning of this year, dated 10th January 2023. So since September 2021, uh, yes, fire service have reminded um, the management of the facility what they were expecting them to do within the market as part of the firefighting system. Uh, in the market. And even the last paragraph, sorry, you don't have a copy of the letter. I will forward it to uh, uh, your producers. The last paragraph of the letter, uh, the page, uh, yeah. Look, they, they, those things that they were expecting, uh, that uh, point four, you have been notified about the above as per letters, number DF7 to uh, stroke two nine stroke A one stroke nine, dated thirtieth September twenty twenty one, and the other letter. You are uh, the point five. You are hereby notified that fire certificate shall not be renewed unless steps have been taken to improve the following conditions of safety on the premises, and the enumerated four things that uh, the management of the facility had to do. Before they will renew the fire certificate, please list, the please, one, please list the four things. One, one they had recommended submit updated plan following the additional stores and spaces that have been that have been added to the premises. Two, replace couplings or provide adopters for the couplings. Five, fill the main valve that supply water to the property, property protection equipment, such as hydrant, hose reel, and sprinklers. Then B, fill the early detections and warning system, such as control panel, call point, and sounders. Then the sixth one, take notice that the, fire, the chief fire officer reserves the right to prohibit or restrict the usage of the premises, if the fire risk to responses to the persons on the premises is high until necessary steps have been taken to reduce the fire risk to a level acceptable acceptable to the chief office uh, chief fire officer as stated in regulation fifteen of LI one seven one seven two four signed by the regional commander 
Which means that the fire service saw the problem and tried to prevent it, but it did not act timeously or it did not. Mm-hmm. As far back as 20th September 2021. If you, the, back, if you, the traders, knew about this, why didn't you pack shop? I mean, you then, could have also moved away. That would have forced the the owner of the facility, or at least even insisted that they go to do what they have to do. You're also complicit, aren't you? Because you were doing business knowing very well it was not safe for you. Thank you very much. Um, this letter was not written to the uh, traders. It was written to the management. So it was, uh, coincidentally, we had the opportunity to have access to the letter just about um, a fortnight ago. And when we received this letter, we confronted the management. That even made us to come out to tell the management that. So of all the monies that they took from us in 2022 to renew the insurance premium of the facility, where are those monies? Because per the letter from the Ghana National Fire Service, it means that since uh, the facility doesn't have a, a valid fire certificate, there was no way uh, they could have renewed the insurance policy of the facility. So we had the opportunity to say same before the Honorable Local Government Minister when he met traders at the Mickling Hotel about a month ago. We had informed the Local Government Minister about this very issue as well. I see. So the complaint has gone as high up as it can and yet we still saw the problem that we saw moving forward um how are you going to deal with the 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 management of this institution or the, this facility is it a government or state property or is a private business that has been given to someone to manage for and on behalf of the traders there it's a state property um so it's run by know, the government yes because uh, there's a they, after the completion of the project, uh, they made us to understand that uh, the local government ministry, the finance ministry, and the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly have set up a special purpose vehicle. And as part of that special purpose vehicle, they've incorporated uh, the Kumasi City Market as a limited liability company. And they have their uh, board and then the ma- uh, management who are running the facility. And they are doing this. They are doing this and they are doing this under the, the the Metropolitan Assembly. So, which means the Metropolitan Assembly would also take blame for what happened. The metro, the chief executive of the Metropolitan Assembly happens to be the board chairman of the Kumasi City Market Limited, with representation from the local government ministry, the finance ministry, and then the traditional authorities. They are all they all have reps on the board. The, the fire services is going to do an investigation. Um, would you give any information to them, or you, you reckon they already know what the problem was, and so there's really nothing to investigate? Well, uh, we had even opined to the uh, regional minister today that uh, if there's any committee that would be set up to investigate uh, the cause of this fire and other related issues, which uh, the traders also want to appear before a such committee, to also stay outside of the story because if the firefighting system in the market had been activated earlier, we think that the extent of damage that was caused in the market would have reduced that uh, because uh, there were instances uh, we uh, some of the traders who were nearby the block that the fire started had wanted to use the nearby uh, water hydrant there 
there was no flow of water. Apparently, they have locked up uh, the water by an administrative side where the high pressure pump was. There was no any alarm warning system to forewarn the traders. There was no smoke detector to warn the traders that there is an looming danger. There are so many things that we have to say before the um, the committee, if so be. Now that the market has been closed, what happens to the traders? What alternative places are there for you, Paul? Well, um, yesterday night, before we left the scene around 9, there was a, consult a consultation between the fire personnel, the management, and uh, with the leadership that the market was to be closed from today, 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. for the fire personnel um, to assess the situation. So today, after the regional minister came with the uh, members of the research to inspire, he proposed that uh, if it will be possible, uh, the market should close down, should be closed down maybe for three days for them to assess the situation. So uh, we were there. We came to sit down, deliberated with the management. We saw the wisdom in it. And we agreed to tell our members that indeed we support the idea that uh, the market should be closed down so that the affected area, uh, the authorities can do uh, structural integrity tests on that portion of the area. Uh, whereas uh, the other areas, because KJTR, as, as it was constructed, most of the utilities there were centralized. So they told us that they have to uh, take uh, inventory of those areas to see that uh, the main burden that was not affected will be, uh, we can use it. So we all agreed with uh, the security agencies and the management that we will comply with them and wait till Monday when the market will officially be open once again. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Nana Akwisi Prempe. He's president of the Federation of Commerce Traders. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Natalie, what else do we have for our listeners? Okay, the Ghana Students Association in Hungary has bemoaned the non-payment of their stipends since July 2022 by the government of Ghana. According to them, the situation is taking a toll on their academics since they are forced to engage in long-shift jobs to support their upkeep. Speaking to City News, the president of the association, Evans Ajiman, says they have written officially to the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat and the embassy in Czech Republic but have proven futile. The, they are therefore calling on governments to, as a matter of urgency, intervene and make funds available to them. We are currently having these challenges whereby our stipends are left unpaid for, for months before we get being responded to. Because these stipends have been in arrears for a very long time, our ninth months now, and we haven't received any stipends from the government of Ghana, students are now main purpose for which they are here to engage in long shifts of jobs to be able to get some to sustain ourselves. Currently, the jobs availability to us here in Hungary is also very small, very few job opportunities for us. We don't get a lot of job opportunities. A lot of our students are now facing eviction from the accommodation as a result of unpaid stipends. And this is very problematic for us. We are calling on the government of Ghana as a matter of urgency, intervene and release funds to the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat for our immediate payment. We are calling on the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat as a matter of urgency. If there's any information that we need to know, we are scholars in Hungary. At least it will be fair for them to communicate to us the processes and the measures that have been taken to 
uh, ensure our immediate payment. Um, we haven't received any information from them as of now. We have petitioned them in writing and all other avenues for which uh, have proved futile, no, no avail. We haven't heard from them to now. So we are calling on them to, as a matter of urgency, um, explain to the students the circumstances and measures taken for our students to be paid. Evans Ajiman is the president of the Ghana Students Association in Hungary. The Nkoko Magistrate Court in the Eastern Region has remanded into custody the 71-year-old visually impaired man who allegedly murdered his wife on Tuesday dawn. The suspect, George Mudio, beheaded his wife at Abipotia, a suburb of Nkoko in the Kweu West Municipality, after the wife threatened to divorce him. Prior to the despicable act, George had engaged in a heated confrontation with his wife, accusing her of being ungrateful after she threatened to divorce him. The suspect, who was put before the Nkoko Magistrate Court, presided over by his lordship, Isaac Ejay, will reappear in two weeks. Moving on, the Ghana Cocoa Board says it is working with relevant security agencies to arrest persons who are engaged in the smuggling of cocoa to neighboring countries, particularly Ivory Coast. Reports indicate that some persons purchase cocoa from the farmers, which they smuggle to buyers in other countries. Speaking to City News on the matter, the public affairs manager at Cocoa Board, Fifi Boafu, said some smugglers have been arrested and are facing prosecution. Cocoa Board has an intelligence unit that is working with the national uh, security agencies to get, first of all, information on issues of people smuggling cocoa out of the country. And when they are able to get the information, the security agencies support our intelligence and security staff to apprehend some of them. So it is happening in some quarters of our country. Some have been arrested across the country, different places in western region, western north, uh, specifically Volta region. There's been a number of recorded cases, and sometimes even other parts of the country which are not border regions. Uh, some prosecutions have already started. So such persons who have been arrested are facing the law. It's our expectation that the security agencies will support us in this quest. Yes, there's some level of collaboration, but then... Um, we still have information that in some instances, uh, such persons are able to get away with it. We much rely on the support of the security agencies because Cocoa Board cannot be everywhere and do not have the necessary uh, logistical support to apprehend such persons wherever they may be. So, yes, the engagements are ongoing. The collaboration is ongoing. And then we, I believe an expectation that we'll be able to with all such persons who are involved in this illegal act. He added that agents of Cocoa Board are sensitizing farmers against the act. Our extension agents are engaging the farmers at their local level. But the truth is that the farmers themselves are not the people who are in this business because the farmers don't carry a bag or two or say five across the border. It is these persons who have now formed a certain group who buy the cuckoo and transport it across the country. So yes, the farmers are aware, but some come in the name of license buying companies, buy the cuckoo from the farmers, and then they transport it out of the country. So the farmers themselves are not the people responsible for this act. 
Fifi Bravo is the public affairs manager of the Ghana Cocoa Board. The La Dadeko Tupong Municipal Assembly has served notice it will begin demolishing unauthorized tractors built on waterways. The Assembly's comment follows the desilting of storm drains in the municipality ahead of the raining season. The Assembly explains that the exercise, which would last for three weeks, is to avert flooding. The Chief Executive of the Assembly, Solomon Kote Nikoi, says the exercise will see earmark structures pulled down without fear or favor. Place already we have structures that have been here for several years but looking at it you can see that those structures are on the waterway which we have marked i mean it's part of the size that we are doing today within this three weeks some of the structures will go down just to make sure it pave way for free flow of water so that we will not experience what we experienced last year so that is why we are here i think last year before the rains set in i mean you didn't see us doing what we are doing today so i'm telling you within these three weeks we have a lot of exercise that as an assembly we will embark on and some of the structures that we are referring to demolition has been done some of the structures we've demolished you see but they're still coming up yes they are still coming up that is why we are here they will go down Solomon Kote Niko is the chief executive of the Dadekotupon Municipal Assembly. The National Union of Ghana Students, NUCS, has petitioned Parliament to uncap the Ghana Education Trust Fund Get Fund. NUCS says there has been a decline in the funding of education as a result of the capping of the fund. The student body says this has negatively affected the allocation of funds to the Students' Loan Trust Fund and other educational agencies. The, na- the national president of NUCS, Dennis Apia Labi Ampofo, in presenting the petition to the Education Committee of Parliament, appealed to them to reject the 2023 proposed formula for the disbursement of the GET Fund. Out of $4.6 billion that is supposed to be uh, accrued to GET Fund, only 1.8 billion, representing 39%. The students of this country query in shock. Even God takes 10%. Simple. So some of our challenges that have come up with infrastructure, with high rise in fees, lack of students, lack of funds for students loan, and every day here the students of this country complaining about non-payment from student loan comes from the fact that. The necessary funds that's supposed to be released from Get Fund to some of these agencies is not going. Standing before this house, we are aware that the formula has been presented to you for discussion or will be presented to you for discussion. Honorable Chair and your, your committee, you stand at a crossroad where the fate of our young students lies in your hands. First, reject the formula without any equivocation. We can only have a comfortable discussion about the future of education when the funds that is meant for education is guaranteed by this house. Move strictly to in collaboration with the finance committee, initiate steps to immediately uncap GET Fund. Dennis Apialabi Ampof was the national president of the National Union of Ghana Students News. A group of minority political parties calling itself the Third Force Alliance has kicked against the newly proposed constitutional instrument of the Electoral Commission. This comes barely a few days after another group addressed the media, declaring their support for the CI. 
Under the new CI, the Ghana card will be the sole identification document for voter registration and move the National Democratic Congress together with its members of parliament have opposed stating that it would disenfranchise some Guineans. Speaking to journalists, the member of the Third Force Alliance, who is also National Communications Secretary for the People's National Convention, Awudu Ishak says the minority in parliament must do everything possible to prevent the CI from becoming a law. Fortunately, the position we have taken has been backed by similar calls from the revered Dr. Kojo Afarijan, as well as the reputable Center for Democratic Development, CDD, among others, for the Electoral Commission to have a second look at the proposed constitutional instrument. Dr. Kojo Afarijan means no words in advising Madam Jean Mensa and the Electoral Commission not to expunge the guarantor system from the voter registration requirements. We hold the view that the Electoral Commission must heed such a call from Dr. Afarijan and others, as this is the only way to engender the confidence and collective buy-in of the Ghanaian people in this proposed constitutional instrument. The Electoral Commission must be reminded that anything short of this, we are unreservedly opposed to such, and we call on Parliament, especially the minority group, to do everything humanly possible to stop the constitutional instrument from becoming law. Let it be on record that we are not in any way opposed to the Electoral Commission and we are not attempting to put any impediments on its way in the performance of its constitutional mandate. However, as political actors and citizens, we have the solemn duty of contributing to protect the sanctity of our democracy. We shall stand up in defense of the many silent and incapacitated Ghanaians who are worried and concerned by the looming danger by the intransigence of the EC as contained in the current form and structure of the proposed constitutional instrument. That was the National Communications Secretary for the People's National Convention, Awudu Ishak. Christina Chu, the former Black Stars player who died in the earthquake that hit Turkey in February, will be interred in his hometown, Dugubome, near Adan in the Greater Accra region on Friday. Prior to the interment, the burial and thanksgiving ceremony will be held in his honor the forecourt of the State House in Accra. The final funeral rites for the 30-year-old footballer will be organized by the Chwasam family and the spokesperson, Robert Ani, has been discussing the details of the preparations with City News' Evans Ufuchu Manso. Preparations are underway when you go to the grounds now. Uh, trusses are being mounted. The canopies are also being mounted over the, the stage. is also being done for His Excellency, the President of the Republic, and the people he'll be coming with. And uh, things are getting ready. Almost all the logistics are ready at site, and we, we are trying to be ready for tomorrow. As you expect the President of the Republic, which other dignitaries are we looking uh, to have at the funeral tomorrow? Well, I believe uh, some of the diplomatic corps will also be coming. The Turkish embassy, they've played a pivotal role in the whole process right from the beginning till Chris was brought home and he even came home to pay homage and sign the book of condolence and... Uh, I think that former ministers, the president will be coming with his entourage. And if the president is moving, we know the kind of people he moves with. We are expecting everybody. Mm, well, it's, it's it's a date which um, doesn't favor most of the Black Stars players because they'll be playing for their club football. And um, how unfortunate is it not to have his self-estimate at the final? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but 
you know, we all can't have things the way we want it. And maybe the 24th or next week that they may be available for the funeral. Some people would also not be available. And I don't think we can ever find a day that is convenient for everybody. So we just have to adjust and then do this and do it now. Most of them have been in touch and they've expressed their sincere uh, condolence. And we also understand that they are working and their clubs wouldn't allow them to come. Seeing that there is an international break in the coming days. So we understand then and it's unfortunate, but we bear with anybody that wants to come and is not able to make it. This is where we've got into now and we just need to move forward and bring this chapter to a close as quickly as possible. Well, I would respect his UK-based nuclear family and the funeral. Uh, for now, uh, I wouldn't know what will happen in the coming days. Uh, Newcastle was making an arrangement. And before we started speaking, I was just online with them. That will be confirmed by midday. So by midday, I will be able to, or we should be able to know whether they will be making it or not. But as it stands now, I cannot say no, I cannot say yes. Let's talk about the sort of support you guys have received. I know you guys have expressed um, your gratitude, but let's look at the top process from when the incident happened in Turkey to and now that you guys are set to have the final rights for your late member of the family. How is some of the whole process for the Chassan family? Uh, it's, it's been a sobering moment, if I may start with, right from the day we heard the news and his Excellency also decided to take it personal. He instructed his ministers, he spoke to the Ghana Football Association, he spoke to the embassy and Turkey. They took things up and the search began. Unfortunately, Chris was found after 10 days or so, yeah, but wasn't found the way he we wanted it. Uh, they didn't just leave it there. They did their best. He was brought home and uh, they've been in touch collaborating with the family, making sure that he's given the state-assisted burial that His Excellency, the Vice President, as we spoke about when we came. Things has been smooth. Uh, there's been no hitches anywhere. And whatever arrangement we are supposed to put in place and they are also supposed to put in place has been done. And by the grace of God, tomorrow, God willingly, will be giving our brother the befitting burial that he deserves. That was a spokesperson, Robert Annie, discussing details of the preparations of Christina Chu's funeral with City News' Evans Ufuchu Manson. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obodu. Let's settle for the details now. Some customers of defunct fund management companies are urging the government to fulfill outstanding payments owed to them since last year. These customers allege that the government failed to make a 20% payment of their remaining lump sum in October 2022, despite an earlier agreement which spanned over a period of five years. The Securities and Exchange Commission had revoked the licenses of 53 fund management companies in November 2019 as part of the financial sector cleanup due to their failure to return client funds and the folding up of the operations. In an interview with City Business News, their aggrieved customers expressed their dissatisfaction with their non-payment 
payment of their funds and lamented the adverse effect it is having on their livelihoods. Uh, we were those who had our money with the fund managers and got collapsed in 2017. We waited for four years and the government decided to bail us out by paying part of the monies and decided to pay the rest of the money in installment for five good years. We were lucky to be, uh, receive part of the money in 2020-2021. So the third tranche, which was to be 2022 October, was never paid. It was never paid. And we believed the money is still with government. They made a promise of paying us for five good years. The first, second year we paid. The third year, nothing. We are not hearing anything. Um, well, we're concerned because we don't know where we stand. Uh, some of us, this is savings that we've put there for our children. Um, the funds which were locked and obviously released or supposed to, we were shoved to AM fund are supposed to be in part of the bonds. So we, we didn't even know whether we we're going to be part of the bond arrangements or not. We don't know anything. No communication has been offered to any of us, especially in a group that were meant to be paid in October, November. We want government as quickly as possible to come to our aid. I, need, I know this money is not any people who left. We are not up to 500. And in percentage wise, I don't think the government uh, cannot pay. If the government come in, the financial minister, as his promise, the individual bondholders with our lockup capital, I think if the government is coming, they can pay. Those were aggrieved customers of some defunct fund management companies. Now, as yesterday marked World Consumer Day, the Consumer Protection Agency is calling on the government to pass the Consumer Protection Bill as soon as possible. Last month, the caretaker Minister of Trade and Industry, Samuel Jinapo, presented a policy statement on the bill in Parliament and emphasized that the government was working diligently to ensure its passage. The primary objective of the bill is to establish a structural a structured institutional mechanism and legal framework that safeguards and upholds the rights of consumers, allowing them to hold non-compliant businesses accountable and prote- provide protection, security and defense to their consumers. CEO of the agency, Kofi Capito, commended the minister's efforts but urged for more commitment to achieve this goal as soon as possible. Grateful that uh, Ghanaians were aware that we still haven't passed the consumer bill yet. So this year, we want to make it a campaign through various stakeholders, key players, the media, to promote and let Ghanaians know that we need to pass the consumer bill. We cannot have a country where globally we've signed on to all sort of international agreements that should necessitate or make it possible okay, for us to be able to enjoy the rights that a lot of consumers enjoy worldwide. Return policy, uh, exchange, uh, contract that people don't even adhere to, uh, goods and services delivery. All these things is what we are talking about. That was the CEO of the Consumer Protection Agency, Kofi Capito. Away from that, the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, Dr. Joseph Bing, has indicated that a self-claim policy being introduced by the government at the ports must not be mandatory for all. He says it, will, it must be made optional in order not to render the clearing agents jobless. Freight forwarders have vehemently kicked against the introduction of the policy, insisting that it will result in the direct loss of over 10,000 jobs. Speaking to City Business News on the issue, Dr. Obing says the self-claim policy must not be imposed on importers. It is okay when it is easy for the normal trader to clear his goods. So we are, it's also good for those who can clear 
by themselves. So it shouldn't be something that should be called mandatory that everybody should clear his goods so that the clearing agents will do their core businesses. Whatever it is, I will prefer the clearing agents do um, their core mandate to supplement my business rather than me wasting extra time for clearance and all that. So I think it's not bad direction, but also it shouldn't be that it's coming to take away the work of the clearing agents who are mandated to do this. And they've done this over the years. President of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta Dr. Joseph Abing. Away from that, players within the telecommunications industry are calling for a more innovative strategy to enhance mobile connectivity across the African continent. This, they explain, will help the continent achieve significant economic growth. Addressing participants at the 2023 te- Mobile Technology for Development Conference in Accra, the head of GSMA, Sub-Saharan Africa, Angela Wamola, called on policy, key policy makers to close the gaps that exist in the technology space. Connectivity will remain at the forefront of strategies to achieve our digital economy national and continental agenda. During the pandemic, we saw that those with access to fast and reliable and affordable internet were able to stay connected, access education and health, and work remotely. Those who were without access were the most vulnerable to economic and social disruption. And they risk continually falling behind, even as the world emerges in a post-pandemic world. And online services become even more integral to our society. Therefore, as we sit here today, to truly unlock the power of mobile and address these societal issues that we face in Africa, the key will be to increase digital inclusion. Being connected is only the first step, but unlocking the transformative power of the mobile requires our people to have the necessary skills to to realize the full potential of being connected online. We have to address barriers such as affordability, which will be critical to addressing access. That was the head of GSMA Sub-Saharan Africa, Angela Wamola. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Thank you for listening. As always, please stay safe. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandama. Tonight on Point Blank, we revisit the Gold for Oil program by government. Yesterday, the vice president said that the stability we are seeing and the reduction of the pumps is as a result of the Gold for Oil program. The ASEP, African Center for Energy Policy, and other uh, personalities, including a uh, member of parliament for Yapekuso and deputy finance minister, former Yonjinapo, have been saying that that cannot be true. Today, the Honorable Mohammed Amin Anta, Deputy Energy Minister, who has been named as a Minister of State at the Ministry of Finance, has been speaking to me and explaining why the Gold for Oil program should take credit for 
the reduction of the fuels we have been buying at the pumps. Let's listen. The vice president says that the good for oil is to take credit or to be credited for what we are seeing at the pumps where fuel prices are reducing. A think tank that you once belonged to, incidentally, Africa Center for Energy Policy, you are, you are a founding member, is saying that that is not true. You are in government. How do you respond to this? Well, I, I think that uh, we know that there are people who don't like the good for oil. I mean, uh, obviously, but we are very convinced that the good for oil uh, is revolutionary and it has helped us in, 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 in two ways. Number one is the fact that the market of petroleum products in Ghana is priced based on what we call forward rate, forward exchange rates. Now, what the gold for oil has done is to enable us price it based on the exchange rate at which the gold is bought, is purchased from the exporters, the local exporters. And so you are going to find the exchange rate uh, for the gold lower than the three-month forward exchange rate used by the market. And that alone is enough to reduce the prices of the petroleum products. I have read the, the, the responses given by ASEP and uh, my brother, Jinapo, and, and I think that they, they do not understand our petroleum market uh, in relation to uh, the international market because they both are using uh, crude oil price movement to uh, determine why the prices are going down. What crude oil prices generally can determine the movement in uh, petroleum product prices. In Ghana, the prices of petroleum products are influenced largely up to 90% by international prices of petroleum products, not crude oil, international prices of petroleum products and also the exchange rate. So I'll give you an example. Whilst they are arguing that crude oil prices have been falling, the international price of diesel actually increased by 2.53% for this window. In spite of this increase in the international price of diesel, we have seen a decrease in the domestic price at the pump by about 4%. And so if you are using uh, crude oil prices, you will be, you will be wrong in, in that sense. Okay, does it mean also, that... Okay, go, go ahead. Also, also, if you look at the uh, exchange rate, this window, the market is using a three-month forward exchange rate of 13.54 uh, cities to a dollar. But the gold for oil products are priced based on an exchange rate of 12.5 uh, cities to a dollar. So, on the basis of this alone, you should see domestic prices at the pump falling. And so, it cannot be true that because crude oil prices are falling, that is why the domestic prices are falling. The domestic prices are falling.
because of the interventions we have made, which has helped on the exchange rate side, and the impact of the exchange rate is what we are seeing in the in the fall in domestic prices of the petroleum products and the pump. So to trace it directly, you are saying that you have controlled the depreciation of the CD, hence indirectly controlling the rise of the price of fuel at the pumps. That's what you're saying directly. Exactly, exactly. Because any time the exchange rate depreciates, that is where we see uh, an increase in petroleum product prices. And when the exchange rate uh, appreciates, when the CD appreciates, then you see a decrease. And so it's not necessarily uh, due to movement in crude oil prices. And as I indicated, I mean, these factors are well known, and I expect except to know this. Is it your position that the reduction of the price of crude oil had no bearing whatsoever on what we are witnessing locally? No, but as I said, price, prices of crude oil generally affect prices of petroleum products. But I'm saying that context is important. In the context of Ghana, our prices are influenced by international prices of petroleum products and then by exchange rate. And this is why I gave you an example. Uh, for example, uh, crude oil prices are falling. But diesel, <coughs> diesel prices, international prices of diesel have increased. So are you going to use the crude oil price that is falling to determine our price? Or you are going to use the international price of diesel, which has increased to determine our price? We don't bring in crude. We don't bring crude into our economy. We bring petroleum products. But, but of course, so that, that crude... It would be wrong if you want to use crude rather than the actual product that is brought into the town. Yeah, but because the one who gives us a product would be affected by the reduction of the crude by the oil-producing country. And so that's why it may be indirect, but it is still a necessary point that has to be made. The question then that, would be... If you take the that, two that issues as a whole, just like if you take the two issues as a whole, say gold for oil plus the, the the reduction of crude oil on the international market and the subsequent reduction or otherwise of the price of petroleum products, what percentage would you say goes to gold for oil and what percentage goes to the crude oil reduction for what we are seeing at the pumps? Well, I, I, I first of all the the impact of crude oil. You, you see. When a refinery buys crude oil, the refinery refines it into petroleum products. And so aside the crude oil price, there is also the refinery cost. Okay? There is the refinery cost. Then you also have the fleet, uh, charges, the insurance. So depending on the values uh, uh, allocated to the refinery, refining the, the, the crude into products, the, the free charges, the insurance, you, you may see crude oil price decrease, but the prices of the international prices of the petroleum product increase, such as what is happening at the moment. Crude prices decrease, but the international price of diesel actually increased by uh, 2.2%. Uh, uh, okay? And, and so, yeah, two different things. Yes, and so we but I still, the question, the but I still want to know. So, is it mean, does yes. it mean that you are saying that um, the reduction of crude oil played zero percent in 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 what we are seeing on the pumps locally, and that 
No, it, it, it was inconsequential in all forms and substance that what we saw, crude oil being reduced, has nothing to do with what we are seeing at the farms at all. Zero percent contribution. Yeah, you, can't, you, you can't say that. So, you so know, that's what I want to uh, know. So you, it, you have a fraction that. or a percentage no. you can use for me so we can say, okay, no, gold for oil accounted for so much. Uh, reduction of crude oil prices accounts for so much. Do you have that breakdown? No, first of all, I don't even want to talk about the crude oil price because we brought in uh, petroleum products, not crude oil. But of course, okay. petroleum products and are affected by the price yes. of crude oil. So you yes, can't disentangle the two. But, no, but eventually, what we pay for is the price of the petroleum product, not the crude. And this is why I'm saying that there are other factors that account for the price of the petroleum product. You know, crude oil uh, is one, but there are others like refinery costs. There are others like freight, you know, uh, charges. They all will accumulate to determine the international prices of our petroleum products. And also demand and supply. Okay. Because if there is not enough petroleum products, you know, relative to the demand, the price will increase, even though crude oil prices may be, may be going down. Mm-hmm. This is why I'll give you a classic example okay. that crude oil prices are going down, but the FOB price of diesel actually went up by 2.2%. Right, so let's look at Okay, so what would you say to that? Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to apportion percentages, you know, it, 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 it's difficult also to say because uh, some of the OMCs are commingling the gold for oil products with products they are sourcing from uh, other uh, uh, BDCs uh, who are also sourcing from uh, different IOTs. And so it's difficult to do the, the percentages unless I, I, I sit there and look at the figures. All right. How about we look at it from another angle? How much in terms of volumes has the government brought under the gold for oil deal thus far? Uh, so um, the volumes that have come in as far as diesel is concerned, the quantity of gasoline, gas oil, rather, let's start with gas oil. First, on the 3rd of March, we brought in 40,000 uh, metric tons. 40,000 metric tons. On the uh, 18th of March, we brought in 40,000 metric tons. You mean 18th of February, not March? Yeah, 18th of March. No, we are on the uh, 16th of March, so it couldn't have been 18th of March. In fact, it's coming today, arriving today, 40,000 40, metric tons, and then it will be charged into the market. On okay, the so, so, so let me just be sure with the date. So these are the March let, let me just be sure with the, the date. So, so the first date was um, 4th of March, or is it 8th of March, you said? Okay, so let me give you, let me give you February uh, figures. Uh, I was making that up. So February, uh, gas oil, 49,000. Then that was 20th January, 27th February, uh, 51,000. Okay. And then for gasoline, that is petrol, 27th February, 40,000. And then also on the 5th of March, another 48,000. So, but March, uh, on the 1st of March, 40,000. Uh, gas oil came, and that is diesel. And then uh, on the 5th of March, 30,000 uh, petrol came in. So today we are expecting gas oil 
of 40,000 metric tons. And then on the 21st of March, uh, we will be receiving petrol 30,000. Then also on the 24th of March and the 30th of March, we'll be receiving gas oil of 40,000 and 35,000 respectively. Okay. We're listening there to Deputy Prime Minister, who has been nominated as a Minister of State at the Finance Ministry, Honorable Mohammed Amin Anta. That would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda. I'm a production by Beverly London and Welsin Kobna. Technical support from Daniel Squashi, new media support from Edwin Kwakofi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.